Father's Day is only two weeks away. Did you know this? So be thinking about, Emily, be thinking about what you want to get me, okay? Okay, next announcement. I used that just to remind her. No. Um, It's only two weeks away, which means it's time to start ramping up the dad jokes. All right. Dad jokes are a way of life for me. I was telling dad jokes before I was a dad, okay? When I used to work at the old place I used to work at, they'd be like, I'd tell a, a pun, and they'd be like, that's a Kurt joke. Dad joke, Kurt joke, same thing. Okay. What does a baby computer call his father? Data. That's the international symbol for um, dad jokes. There you go. Okay. After an unsuccessful harvest, why did the farmer decide to try a career in music? Because he had a ton of six. Because he had a ton of sick beats. Whoa. Right. Wow. All right. I got I got sick beats too, y'all. Okay. I only seem to get sick on weekdays. I must have weak, a weakened immune system. All right. All right. There you go. All right. All right. Well, good morning. I feel, uh, I feel good, like I've done this once before, but I still feel good. Um, this morning, I feel compelled uh, to talk about contending for the presence of God in your home, in our homes. Um, I believe God is leading us as a church um, uh, where he's leading us as a church requires us to be people who steward God's presence everywhere we go. But particularly, I feel like the Lord this weekend is highlighting your home, the dwelling place that you are in. Um, he wants it to be a place of his presence. One of the greatest, um, I, I don't know about you, but um, one of the greatest uh, compliments I, I can receive when people come to, come to church, it's like, why'd you come to City Lights Church or why'd you stay? Um, sometimes people will say like, man, I just felt the presence of God there. That is like... The greatest compliment I can hear. And by the way, that's something that you want to be said of your home. I don't know about you, but has anyone ever come in your home and be like, man, the peace of God is just here. Like, this is the presence of God is just here. So we want to have homes where um, the presence of God, we want to be uh, cultivating an environment where God's presence, uh, presence is manifested in our homes. Um, when we come together and worship, um, how many know that what are we trying to do? We're, we're praising God because he's worthy of our praise, but we're also um, trying to uh, cultivate an atmosphere where the manifest presence of God comes. And how many know when the manifest presence of God comes into the room, he changes situations, he changes hearts, he changes minds, he, um, he intervenes in situations. And so um, Rob said this uh, when he was d- during the ministry time, you know, God's presence is everywhere at once. He is omnipresent. This is a divine attribute of God. But how many know that um, there's, a, there's another layer? There's, there's like five dimensions to God's presence. One, he is everywhere at once. He's the, the highest mountain, the lowest valley, the farthest galaxy. But how many know that when you invite Jesus to be the Lord of your life, God comes and lives in your heart, okay? He lives in my heart differently than he is always here, you know, every day of the week. Amen? Okay. And then Jesus said this. Uh, there's another layer here. He says, where two or more gathered in my name, there, are, there I am in the midst. Where two or more gathered in the name of Jesus, there he is in the midst. So was he already there? I thought he was already in the heart of one person. Well, he is. But when two or three people intentionally come together and gather, he shows up in a different way. 
Or how about this? When he, uh, the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. So when the assembly comes together, the large group comes together, God shows up in a different way than he otherwise um, wouldn't. And so he's all, uh, he occupies all space, all time, the heart of the born-again believer, where two or more are gathered, and he occupies the assembly. But today, I want to encourage you that your home can become a, a place where the presence of God dwells. I want to talk about how to cultivate that in your home. You want that, amen? I believe that God is raising up City Lights Church, that our homes would be places of refuge, not only just for us, to a place to get our little duckies in a row, but a place where we can invite the broken, the lost, those who need mentored, those who need discipled, those who need loved into our homes um, where they can be touched by the Lord. Um, uh, I don't know about you, but ever since um, I was a kid and when I I was um, saved as a kid, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was seven years old. And ever since then, um, I've been sensitive to spiritual atmospheres. Are you guys sensitive to spiritual atmospheres? Like when you go into, a, you drive to a different city and you're like, there's a different thing going on here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Has that ever happened to you? Um, you travel to different regions, different cities. And so there is um, oftentimes a, a different um, principality in the spirit realm over different, uh, different regions. This can be both, both positive and negative. Some, there are places where there's pockets of mercy, pockets of grace, pockets of God's presence. Uh, let's just say, for example, in the United States. And there are other places you go, and it's like there's oppression. You can just feel it in the atmosphere. There is, a, there is an oppressive spirit in this place, okay? We want our homes to be those places that are pockets of, regardless, regardless of what's going on in the, um, the regional principality, we want our homes to be places where there, it's pockets of mercy, pockets of God's presence, okay? Um, uh, Dr. How many uh, know who Dr. Lester Summerall is? Yeah. Um, if you've never heard of him, he's, he's a preacher who's, who's gone home to be with the Lord. But when he was a young man, he got saved. And he went, what country was it that he was? Manila? The Philippines. Yeah, he was in the Philippines. And he was going there as a missionary. And he was having zero success. Like, um, he was trying to uh, minister the gospel. No one was getting saved. No one was getting healed. Nothing was happening. And so he went into a time of prayer and fasting. And he's like, God, um, I need you to break in. I need you to, to move in this place. <clears throat> and he said that um, everyone knew that there was this, I told it a little bit wrong in the first service. Emily helped me out with this story. But she said, um, he, um, everyone knew in this area of a woman in one of the prisons. She was in a prison and she was so demonically um, possessed that she was like uh, not a big woman, but she would like fight everyone. She'd fight grown men and like overpower them. Like she was seriously demonic. And it gave her like supernatural, like demonic supernatural strength. And so he's also, you know, Lester Solomon was like ineffective in ministering in that region. And so he fasts and he prays and the Lord says, um, go, go minister to that woman. And everyone, because people are like, we don't know what to do. Like they actually wanted help. So he goes in and cast the, the demonic spirit, or spirits, I don't know, out of, that, out of that woman. And when that woman was set free, that woman got free of all those demons, 
all of a sudden that broke uh, the regional principality over that place. And all of a sudden God began working and moving in other ways. In other words, that demonic spirit was blinding the hearts of, of men and women in that region and, and blocking what God wanted to do in that region. But when that principality was broken and the strong point of that principality was actually based in that woman, then it broke everything open and things began to happen. And so... Um, Regardless of the spiritual principality, you know, in this region, whatever, we want our homes to be pockets of God's presence, places where Jesus reigns supreme and Jesus is Lord. Today, my my, uh, sermon, I just want to encourage us to take inventory of your home and invite the Holy Spirit to show you um, opportunities that, that there might be to make your place a place for God's presence. Okay, now... Um, on the, on the surface of this, um, a lot of people, it, this might seem like a, um, uh, a sermon that's like a defensive posture. It's like, okay, you know, um, it's the big bad world out there, but we want to create fortresses in here. But how many know that if we're going to be um, effective in reaching people with the light and love of Jesus, our homes need to be places of refuge for us. Amen? Places of refuge where we can, what do we need to do? Refresh, recharge, re-ammo, uh, re right? Get, get built back up so that we can go back out into the world. So um, it might seem like this defensive posture, like we're just going to go hide in our homes and I'm going to go to church and hide in our homes. No, that's not what I'm talking about. But we can't be effective at doing that kind of stuff unless we have places of refuge for ourselves. And so... Um, the title of my message today is called Strongholds of Peace. Strongholds of Peace. A stronghold can be a good thing, and a stronghold can be a bad thing. There are demonic strongholds. There are, are sometimes strongholds we have in our mind that are um, an enemy with God. How many know that like unforgiveness can be a stronghold in your mind? A belief that you believe about yourself that isn't true, that's a stronghold in your mind. So those are negative things, but strongholds can also be positive things. Like if you... Um, have a, a strong belief system in the Lord, you can have a strong place in your mind with the Lord and it can be a good thing. So I want to give you um, two definitions of stronghold. Both of them fit, the, uh, fit what we're going for today. Uh, so here they are. Stronghold. It is a place that has been fortified so as to protect it, uh, protect it against attack. Okay, that's what our homes need to be. Uh, definition number two, a place where a particular cause or belief is vigorously defended or upheld. How many of you here have a cause or a belief? I do. Guess what? That cause or belief needs vigorously upheld and defended. Be- why? Because you have an enemy of your soul that wants to take that thing down. Our homes need to be places that are fortified against the attacks of the enemy and they need to be a place where our, our causes and our beliefs are defended and upheld. Amen? Okay, so uh, I want to give you a few... um, Let me give you a couple examples of what uh, Stronghold looks like in the natural so that you can kind of see the spiritual application. Go ahead and put up that first picture. Okay, this is a Stronghold. It's a castle. This is a... How many know if there were people up there trying to defend this position, it would be difficult to overtake this position. Why? Because they have the high ground. They have um, defendable positions. And this is what our homes need to look like in the spirit realm. When the enemy 
of your soul walks by, he's not like, oh, that's an easy one. I'll just walk in there, right? You want your home to be a uh, defensible place, um, spiritually speaking. Go to the next picture. Okay, this is also a stronghold. How many know what this is? Masada. It's in Israel. And um, this was, uh, King Herod actually built this um, in Israel. It's, this is near the Dead Sea. It's close to Jerusalem. And he built this as a, um, as a winter palace. It was a little bit warmer down near the Dead Sea. And um, it was a place of refuge. And when Jerusalem was destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD, the, Ro- um, the, the Jews that, were, that didn't get killed, they fled. They went into the, the Judean wilderness here, and they went to Masada. And this is a place where there was like 800, 900 men, also women and children, and they went up on to this stronghold. And you could see, um, if you go back and look at pictures of like what it looked like during King Herod's day, but it was a fortress. It's a fortress that had uh, food, water, supplies, all this stuff. And the, after the Romans destroyed Jerusalem in 70 AD, they came to Masada. They encircled the entire mountain, built camps and fortresses, and they made a giant siege ramp to get to the top of it. And um, 800 men held off uh, 15,000 Roman soldiers for many months because of this defendable position. Okay, that's a stronghold. So a stronghold can be a good thing, and it can be a bad thing. We want to be strongholds of the Lord. Amen? I want to be a stronghold of the Lord. It's like I'm not easily offendable. I'm not easily deceived. I'm not easily caught up into sin. Amen? I want to be a, a, a strong, uh, defendable place for the Lord. Okay, so, um, and God wants your home to be a fortress of peace and a fortress of his presence. I believe he's calling us to this morning. All right, so how do we make our homes strongholds of peace? Point number one, you have to realize you have an adversary. Everyone say adversary. adversary. It doesn't have to be scary, the adversary. Okay, that was a dad joke, see? It's, it's the anointing is coming more and more as we get close to Father's Day. Do you feel it? There's a regional... What? See, oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> There's a regional principality of dad jokes coming on. Okay, realize that you have an adversary. One of the biggest disservices we often do to ourselves is when we forget that we have an enemy. Okay, we have an enemy. Listen, your enemy, Satan, the devil, he hates you. Okay, not everyone likes you. This is true in the natural but this is especially true in the spiritual. The demonic realm hates you. He hates your God, and he hates your destiny. Let me ask you a question. Is the devil afraid of you? He's afraid of your destiny. He's afraid of you walking in the fullness of your calling. Um, if, if the enemy of your soul can keep you from walking in the fullness of your calling and knowing your identity in Christ, he can win a battle over you. But if you can stand in your identity in Jesus and step into the fullness of what God has for you, man, you're, you're scary stuff. You're scary stuff to the kingdom of darkness. Amen? So here's the deal. There is a, we live in a spiritual world, and there are spiritual battles, Right? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, rulers, and, and uh, high places. And so this is why it says in 1 Peter 5, 8, it says this, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. 
uh, I think it's the New King James Version, version says, looking for someone whom he may devour. How, how, how many know that like, you can position yourself in a way that the enemy can devour you, or you can live in a place of um, fortified position where the enemy of your soul is not able to devour you. But what does he say? He says, be sober and be vigilant. Be, um, be alert and of sober mind. In other words, don't let your guard down and um, be, be vigilant. So the enemy hates you. The enemy wants to snare you. The enemy wants to destroy you and your family. Sometimes, again, we forget this. Sometimes in my life when like all hell is breaking loose, I'm like, man, everything is going wrong. What's going on? I'm frustrated. And all of a sudden I remember, wait a minute. I think this is a spiritual attack. This is a spiritual attack. Okay. And all of a sudden you're like oddly encouraged. You're like, okay, it's just a spiritual attack. Now I know what to do with, like, now I know what to do with my prayers, right? Now I know, to, uh, I, know, I know what I need to do with my praise. I know what I need to do with the armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6 talks about the armor of God, putting on the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, and man, the, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, having our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Amen? We need these things. By the way, most of those things I talked about... Um, Uh, Is this a defensive posture or an aggressive posture? Well, obviously, we want to take ground for the kingdom of God. But how many know if you don't have a helmet on and you don't have a breastplate and you don't have the shield and the sword of spirit, those are all defensive things. You're not going to be able to advance forward. Really, the sword and the the feet are the only things that are able to move forward. So um, where are we at here? I'm just I'm just riffing now, which is a good thing. Sometimes sometimes it's bad. So um, realize that many times the things you're going through when all hell is breaking loose, many times it's a spiritual attack. The enemy of your soul is trying to mess you up. Realize you have an adversary. Now, I am not this like big proponent of looking for the devil under every rock. Okay. I want to be more Jesus focused than I am Satan focused. Okay, I want to be more focused. In fact, many times that's, that's the battle. It's like all this stuff's going on and my, the fight here is just to keep my eyes on Jesus. But um, I don't look for devil under every rock, but we would be remiss to forget that we have an enemy who hates us and doesn't want us to succeed at being conformed to the image of his son. You conform to the image of Jesus is serious damage to the enemy's kingdom. You just simply um, allowing your old nature to die and be buried, and to be resurrected, and look like Jesus, act like Jesus, talk like Jesus, like that is big time victory for the kingdom of light. Um, So there's an adversary, and I feel like I need to stress this this morning. Um, Your adversary has no problem making it personal. You ever like um, have something hard happen, and someone's like, nothing personal, you know? It's like, uh, we're going to have to let you go. We're making cuts here, but this is nothing personal. And you're like, it sure feels personal because now I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. You know, <laughs> that seems kind of personal, right? Well, the enemy of your soul, listen, he has no problem making it totally personal, going after you, your family, your health, your finances, your marriage, whatever. And so um, how many know that when we place our faith and trust in Jesus, we have a personal God? We have a personal God. He cares about you personally. He cares about you. He doesn't just love you. He doesn't just love us collectively, like the collective, I love you. He loves us, yes, collectively, the bride of Christ. He loves his bride, but he also loves us individually. 
individually, like if you were the, uh, I've heard this said, like if you were the only person in the world who was lost and separated from him, Jesus would have still come just for you. I believe that's true. Okay, so he doesn't just love us collectively. He loves us uh, individually. He's a personal God. But the devil, although the devil is not, um, the devil possesses none of the divine attributes. So um, Satan is not omnipresent. He doesn't occupy all space and time. But he is still a, he will still personally attack you. He's a, he's a personal devil, actually. How, how could that be the case? If he's not, he's not occupying all space and time, how does that even happen? Well, that's through delegated authority. Okay, there is a hierarchy in the kingdom of darkness, just like there is, for example, with the federal government. How many others are the federal government? And then underneath that, there's state governments, and then there's local governments. Okay, there's a hierarchy of, of uh, leadership um, in government, or for example, in an organization. How many others? There's someone or some ones at the head, and then there's managers beneath them, and so on. This is the same. Um, this is the same case, actually, with the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. And um, Jesus actually said that a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. And Jesus, when he said that, he was referencing the kingdom of darkness. In other words, he's saying Satan actually knows this. He actually knows that a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. Therefore, there is a hierarchy of leadership in the demonic realm. Okay. And um, the attacks of the enemy are personal. He comes at us personally. There was a man um, by the name of Bob Jones. He's a prophet, uh, prophet Bob Jones. And he, um, I think he died in 2014, went, went home to be with the Lord. But in the, in the 1970s, he, start, he got born again, and he started, having, um, he started having visions and dreams and revelations. And they were like things that for the, the next few decades happened exactly the way the Lord showed him. And, when these, and he started telling people about these, these revelations that God was giving him and these prophecies that God was giving him about things that were to come. And he says that when that was happening, the, the devil, I don't know if it was literally the one devil, you know, because there's only one devil, but then there's delegated authority, said, if you keep giving these prophecies, I'm going to kill you. Like the devil actually spoke to him and said, if you keep giving these prophecies, I'm going to kill you. And he's like, whatever, I don't believe you. So he kept doing them. And actually... He died. Like he got, he uh, had a hemorrhage in his brain, and uh, he died. He died, and he talks about this. You can find this on like YouTube or whatever. He talks about this him going to heaven, and he says he was just completely wrapped in peace. He, he was completely enveloped in the love of God, and he was like, "Man, I've made it. Like this is the best day of my life. I'm here." And he says, when he got to Jesus, Jesus said to him, um, "It's not your time yet. You're going back." And he's like, and he said, "I don't want to go back." And he's, the Lord said to him, I'm sending you back for souls. And he was like, well, I'll go back for one soul. And Jesus said to him, I'm not sending you back for one soul. I'm sending you back for a billion souls. There's a billion souls, a, a billion soul youth harvest that I want to bring into my kingdom in the last days. And I want you to go touch some of the leaders that will be the leaders in that end time harvest. And, um, and of course, Bob Jones came back and that, that prophecy is very um, widespread. Many people know that. Um, but one of the other things that he said that Jesus spoke to him says, tell the people that the devil is a personal devil. He personally attacks you. He's coming at you personally. He's coming at your family. He's coming at your kids. He's coming at your homes. You need to know that you need to have, you need to be fortified. Um, you need to resist the enemy 
and, and be, be sober and alert of mind, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The enemy wants to devour your finances. He wants to devour your, your mind. Man, don't give your mind to the enemy. Give your mind to Jesus. Okay, so point number one, realize you do have an adversary. That's point number one. But here's point number two. So that was the bad news. Here's the good news. Realize also that you have an advocate. Okay? You have an advocate. There's an adversary against you, but you, when you're a Christian, you have an advocate for you. The Bible actually says you have two. The first one is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is an advocate. Amen? Jesus said this in John 14, 25 and 27. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to us. Notice the, co- the correlation, the connection between the presence of the Holy Spirit and the peace of Jesus. When we have the Holy Spirit, we have the peace of Jesus. Okay, so um, the Holy Spirit is our, adv- um, our advocate. The second advocate is Jesus himself. It says this in uh, 1 John 2, 1 and 2. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Amen? Jesus is our advocate. The Holy Spirit is our advocate. Both of these sent by the Father. There's an enemy that wants to remove peace from your home, and there's an advocate, the Jesus, the Prince of Peace, that wants our homes to be sanctuaries of where his presence dwells. That's point number two. We have an advocate. Point number three, how do we make our homes strongholds of peace? Make your home a place of praise. Make your home a place of praise. Like, put worship music on. If you can play an instrument, I cannot. Um, My wife plays guitar and sings well. I can worship by myself. It just doesn't sound good. Jesus loves it, though. You know, (laughs) he loves your voice. Um, Regardless if, if anyone doesn't love it. Okay. Make your home a place of praise. Um, don't always just have the news on. Like, how many know that 99% of the news is bad news and anxiety? And by the way, why do you think they deliver everything with like a, oh my gosh, what are they doing? They're trying to get you to stay so that you can listen to the advertisers, so the advertisers will pay their bills, right? So it's not just the news. It's news, news uh, sensationalized and on steroids, Okay. I'm all for being informed. I'm kind of a news junkie. I like to be informed. I like to know what's going on, right? But don't just, like, have the news on all day in the background or whatever podcast you listen to or whatever you're doing. Like, make your home also a place of praise. In fact, you can put worship music on. It's available, like, on on different streaming platforms. You can put it on, and you can do the dishes. You could work. You can do things around the home and have and create an atmosphere of praise in your home. Amen? Um, uh, to make this convenient for you. Maybe you're like, I don't know where to start. Because if you have your favorite praise music, your favorite worship music, put it on. In fact, I was driving to church today, and I have, I made a playlist on Spotify called PK's Juicy Worship and uh, Praise (laughs) Playlist. 
It's got that, that juicy worship and prayer. It's just good stuff, right? And I put that on on the way to church today, and I got myself stirred up on the way here. I'm like, God, I need, I need to get stirred up. I didn't come to church. I got I to gotta preach. I put on some praise and worship on the way here, okay? So maybe you have your, your go-to worship music. Hopefully it's juicy. It's got to have juice in it, okay? <laughs> Hopefully you got your stuff. But if you don't, we've created a playlist for you. Go ahead and put up that link. Bam. So there's some good stuff here to get. This is like your starter kit, right? This is your worship starter So get out your phones and scan that QR. We'll leave that up for a few minutes here. But, um, and make your own playlist. By the way, Spotify is free. You have to listen to advertising on it. But if you have a paid subscription, you can listen to it. Um, that's not free. If you're on Apple, you can make your own playlist on Apple. And also, we have this available um, after the service. If you go to our website, we'll have a, a playlist. But put this on in your car. Put this on in your homes. Make your home as a place of praise where the atmosphere of the Lord is being cultivated. Amen? When you have people over, put some praise on in the background. <clears throat> All right, that's point number three. Point number four, how do we make our home strongholds of peace? Number four, pray through your home often. Now, I'm not just talking about your quiet time. You should have your quiet time almost every day, right? Um, nearly every day. That time with the Lord of, of, of just getting in the word and praying and sitting still before him. But every, um, every once in a while, my wife and I, we go, um, we uh, walk through our home like we go through every room and we pray through every room and we just like anoint our home with, with oil. Oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And so get yourself some anointing oil, olive oil, vegetable oil, whatever oil you got, motor oil. I don't know. Don't do that one. <laughs> Put a glove on if you're going to use motor oil. But okay, don't do oil, not motor oil. Forget I said that. But go through your home anoint it, pray through it. Every six months or so, we like, my wife and I like to go through and just pray through our home, pray through every room. Like we anoint the dishwasher and be like, you're going to last forever. We anoint the water heater. We're like, you will never break. We anoint the cars. We anoint the thresholds, the TV, the computer. You know, we're like, only good things are coming through you into this home. Amen. What's that? The mirrors, we anoint the mirrors in our daughter's bathroom. Like when our daughters see the reflection, they're going to see that they are created in the image of Jesus. Amen. They're going to love what God created. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, do that. Anoint your mirrors and say, I'm going to see a child of God. And this reflection is a a reflection of the child of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to see myself the way Jesus sees me. I'm going to see myself as righteous. I'm going to see myself as a son or daughter of God. So good. Like, listen, guys, a lot of girls like hate themselves. And, and cut themselves and don't love what God made. Like, and boys too, but I'm just saying, like, take that seriously. So pray through your home. Pray through it often. Anoint everything you own. Um, when, before my wife and I, when, before we move into a new house, before we move anything in, we like to go in. Let's just, let's just gather hands right here. Let's pray in this home. And then we'll get oil and we'll pray through it. We'll worship through it. We'll, and then we'll gather at the end and we'll take communion. And I just want to say, if you don't know how to do that, Grab someone from the church, grab an intercessor, grab someone and say, hey, will you come and we just want people to come and pray through our home. Will you, will you come into our home and just walk through this home with us and pray through it, invite the Holy Spirit and cast any critters out of here that don't need to be here, right? You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about demonic things that don't, need, don't belong there that 
sometimes get there through whatever means um, from the previous person or whatever. And so, um, yeah, do that. Amen. Okay, that's point number four. Point number five. How do we make our home strongholds of peace? This is my last point. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you where your weak points or vulnerabilities are in your home. Um, when I was preparing this message, I woke up Friday morning. I was going to preach on something else, and I just decided to go with this. I was thinking about, uh, in the book of Nehemiah, uh, Nehemiah, they were called to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem. And the Bible said there was people in the surrounding areas that didn't want them to do that. They weren't fans of them rebuilding the walls. And so they were being threatened and harassed. And so what did the people do? They were building the walls. They would have a tool in one hand where they're building the walls. They're doing the work of the Lord, right? And the Bible says that they had a weapon on their side. So they got a tool in their hand and a weapon on their side. That way, if they were attacked while they were doing the work, they could drop the weapon or drop the the, uh, tool, pick up their, their weapon and fight. This is how we build our lives. This is how we build our homes. We're building our homes with the tools God has given us, but we also have weapons in our hands to fight the enemy of our soul. Amen? And so... Ask the Holy Spirit to show you weak points in your home. Sometimes, willingly or unwillingly, we open doors, like we have this fortified front door, and then the enemy comes in the back door. So sometimes that happens, willingly or unwillingly. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you, are there weak points, are there vulnerabilities in my life? Are there vulnerabilities in my home? I'll give you a couple examples of uh, when this happened kind of unwillingly in my life. Um, Years ago, I was actually watching, I was actually watching Christian TV, and uh, there was a, a preacher, um, Benny Hinn actually was on, and he, he was talking about <clears throat> sometimes there are inanimate objects or things in our homes, I don't know, movies, music, whatever, that the Holy Spirit doesn't like, like it grieves the Holy Spirit, and he, was, and he, and he like led everyone in a prayer to ask the Holy Spirit to highlight anything in your home that, that um, God doesn't want to be there. And so I'm like, okay, I'll pray that prayer. As I was praying that prayer, I have this picture in my mind, this uh, vision or whatever, of uh, my closet and, and uh, the upper shelf of my closet. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe there's something in there that I need to get rid of. And so I go into the closet, and there's books up there, and most of them are Christian books. And I, I'm like sorting through, and there's a baby name book. And I'm like, oh, baby name book. And I kind of throw that to the side. That's not it. But it landed upside down. On the back side of the baby name book, there was like um, signs of the Zodiac and different things like that on the back. And then I open it, and there's a bunch of lists for these psychic hotlines that you can call. So evidently what was in the book is like people are like, um, if you want to you know, know about the baby you're going to have, call the psychic hotline. And you want to know what to name your baby, call the psychic hotline and get information and whatever about your baby. Listen, I don't know where everyone's at here, but listen, don't get spiritual information from anyone other than God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, Jesus, the Bible, amen? Um, Signs of the Zodiac, psychic hotlines, other religions, whatever. Listen, don't open those doors because even though sometimes there are shreds of truth within them, ultimately they're designed to deceive you and draw you astray. And so don't go to psychic hotlines, those kind of things. And so I knew, I knew right away, like, okay, Lord doesn't want, I wasn't reading this book. I wasn't going psychic hotlines, but the Holy Spirit didn't want that in my home. And so I got rid of that book. Um, A few years later, uh, after that, I um, got home from work one day. I I worked an early shift and I was kind of tired. So I decided to take a nap 
And I, I, in my dream, in my nap, I have this dream that there's a gargoyle in my closet on the upper shelf. And I'm like, I woke up and I'm like, gargoyle, that's probably not a good thing. You know, gargoyles aren't good. And so um, I'm like, well, that was kind of like, you know, the thing I had before. So I went back in them. This is a different, a different place I was living. I went in and I'm looking on the upper shelf of my closet and I didn't find anything. I was like, there's nothing really here. I'm not seeing anything. Um, but then uh, my wife uh, was with me and I said, you know, um, maybe, well, there's an attic access here. So let's just grab a ladder and like peek up here real quick. So I grab a ladder and I climb up into the, into the attic or just pop the, the attic access off. And I look, as I look to my right, there's like a, there's a stack of pornography magazines in my attic for real. And it was like from the 1980s or something like that. So the girl's hair were all, you know, big and wild, but whatever. We didn't look through it. It was just on the front page. I just handed it to my wife and I said, there's pornography up here. And I handed it to her, but, and I'm like, get this out of our house. Like get this out of our house. And she went, she went and threw it away. Listen, the Lord that I wasn't looking at that. We didn't know what was there. But the Lord didn't want that in our home. This is a rental we had. This is a rental property. And we just looked in the attic and there's pornography in the attic. And God just gave me a dream. And that dream, how many of we, um, uh, we see in part, therefore we know, you know, we know in part and we see in part as the scripture says, but God was highlighting to me, there was something in my home that was grieving the Holy Spirit. And we got that thing out of there. Um, I want to have a Rick Hood. He has a really cool story. I'm going to have him come up and share um, a story of when the Lord showed him something in his home. Um, I shared it in the last service, but it's better, if you, it's better if you tell it. So go ahead and give him this mic here. Hold it close, buddy. Okay. Am I on? Yes, okay. sir. Uh, I think I just need to preface this right off the bat. You know, God, um, I'm a flawed individual. But God pours his Holy Spirit into flawed individuals. Okay, I just want to preface that. Amen. So this actually happened 25 years ago. And um, anyway, um, I was, the kids were all in school. Beck and I were home. And I was just, I was just worshiping. So I'm pretty aggressive in my worship. So I'm dancing around the living room, dining room, and, and all of a sudden I get a picture of drugs or a picture of something in the ceiling in my, one of my son's room, my son of promise's room. And I, I kind of dismissed it. It was kind of like bad pizza or something, and so I just went on to worship again. And I'm worshiping, and comes back again, gives me the same picture again. So I told Beck, I said, Babe, I got this picture. Let's go down. Let's and a couple of our boys lived in the had their bedrooms in the basement, and they had a we had a drop ceiling that hid the the floor uh, joicing uh, in the basement to finish the the basement. So we went into um, my son of promises bedroom, and first ceiling tile, all this drug paraphernalia dropped out of the ceiling. And, um, and so uh, we had that 
all presented to him at the end. And when he got back from, he said, oh, you were snooping through my bedroom. And I said, no, dude, it's, it's actually a little higher than that. Um, Holy Spirit gave me the picture. Yeah. And we only, only looked under one tile, and there it was. And, um, but I, I'll just tell you this. And I, after, because actually he texted me while he was in the service, the first service this morning. And I was like, he's texting me during the service. Uh, Pastor Kurt here. And... I, the Lord just spoke to me, and I, I think it dovetails with what you're saying this morning. Um, the Lord just spoke to me. He said, um, every one of us have a ceiling that God wants us to bust through. Come on. There's a ceiling here this morning. Come on. Uh, whether I don't know. Your ceiling might be different than mine, but I, I know I have a ceiling in my Come home on. that needs to be busted through Come today. on. And, and that being brought up to me, just like, Yes. I feel that word is for all of us here this morning. Um, I don't need to go into a lot of detail, but we've, we've gone through a lot of stuff over the last five years. And I'm just telling you, sometimes you can get battle-worn so much that you lose the things that God inspired you with. And God's saying this morning, I need to break through that ceiling this come on, morning. Come on. And so I'm saying this morning, God is here. He's yeah. here. I don't know what your ceiling is this morning, but God is here to bust through that yeah. ceiling for you Come in on. Jesus' name. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. That's a word for someone. I think it was supposed to be in this service, too. That I referenced it last service, but that was so good. So, <clears throat> sometimes unwillingly we allow things in our homes and the Holy Spirit will reveal that to you. Um, there are also times we willfully, uh, we, uh, so sometimes we're willfully ignorant and allow things in our homes. Let me give you a few examples. Here's one right here. How many know this can, this is a phone. This can be a portal of good. This could be a portal of good where good things can happen. Communication, right? Look good things up. How many know this can be a portal of evil as well? This has a lot of access to a lot of bad things. And so um, be aware of what you let into your home through your, your computer, your phone, your TV, your music, because God wants our homes to be sanctuaries of his peace and sanctuaries of his presence. And sometimes we can bring defilement into our homes through this right here. Um, our daughter, our younger daughter is 13 years old, and she's been trying to get us to give her a phone for years. And finally we caved, Right. We got her a phone. She's 13 years old. Uh, But listen, I am not about to hand my daughter a phone with uh, unfeathered access to, like, the Internet and all the different apps and all different things out there in the world. We lock that sucker down. (laughs) We're like, you can text on here. You can call on here. We don't even let her put her own contacts in. Like, we have to approve contacts. And then she can only use it for certain hours of the day. She can't sleep, you know, with it next to her. She has to go. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't be stupid. (laughs) Like... Um, don't let anything and everything in your home and, and monitor these things. And man, kids have access to the craziest things. And so, um, ask the Holy spirit, um, if you're, um, inviting anything into your home. And sometimes these are like the Trojan horses that were like, this is great. Come into our home. And all of a sudden there's something in there, right. That causes a lot of, uh, chaos and problems. And so, um, be sensitive to the Holy spirit about the things that you, um, Watch the things you listen to, the things you bring into your home. Um, 
I was telling this in the first service, like, you know, I like movies and I like action movies. I'm a, I'm a guy. We like, you know, we like action and a little bit of, a little bit of violence, you know what I'm saying? But, um, how many know, actually, <laughs> how many know this story? This, this, this has some violence in here, you know, you couldn't, I don't know how you would do a movie on the book of judges and not make it rated R. Like it's pretty, it's pretty gnarly. And so, um, you know, there's certain stories you can't tell without some relative, violence in them. You know, Saving Private Ryan, right? Uh, Black Hawk Down. But those are good movies, by the way. Um, but um, when we're going to watch a movie, like we sit down, we're like, okay, it's rated. What is it rated? Why is it rated that? And, you know, a little bit of language. Okay, whatever. But if it's like constant language, that just grinds on me. And I don't want that in my home. I don't want constant like going, you know, we'll put on a comedian. We love stand-up comedy. If there's a comedian and he starts in and it's just Cuss word after cuss word after cuss word. Like, ah, let's turn this off. I, this, I don't like. Even if they're funny, I'm like, I'll turn it off. Okay. Um, when we watch a movie, it's like, why is it rated what it's rated? Listen, if it has nudity in it, we're like, no, we're not doing it. I don't want to watch a movie and get boobed in the middle of it. <laughs> we don't want to get boobed. All right. I had a pastor years ago talked about um, whatever getting boobed, and I've been waiting to say that for a long time. So there you have it. But listen, Jesus is the Lord of our lives, and we don't want to let anything and everything into our homes. I just, I'm not telling you, I'm not going to give you a list of what you should or shouldn't watch. I'm going to ask you to go to the Holy Spirit, go to the Lord, if he's your Lord, and ask him, God, is there anything, is there a ceiling above me right now that you want to knock out? Because how many want to go further with Jesus? How many want to sign up once again and go further, faster than we've ever gone with Jesus before? Well, sometimes that involves you laying something else down that you love for something you love more. Amen? And so I'll conclude with this. Pastor Rick mentioned um, not being a perfect person. Uh, How many know that none of us are? You know what the problem with churches, with any church? It's people. That's the problem with churches is people. If we just got rid of all the people, there would be no problems in churches, right? But how many know that the only thing that makes a church a church is the people, right? This is the same thing with our homes. What is the problem with any home? It's the people in the home. Because how many know we all have the capacity to sin? And we've all made mistakes and those kind of things. Um, If you want to go to a place that's neat and orderly and there's no chaos at all, it's called a graveyard, the graves are nice and orderly. The, the uh, landscaping is done very nicely. But guess what? There's nothing of life happening there. If you go to a, a young uh, family's home and they have kids, like how many know that it's like a mess? Like the kids are making a mess and mom and dad are trying hard to keep that thing in order. But listen, life is happening there as well. And by the way, this is how I want to have a church too. Because sometimes life, within the context of life, there's messes um, that happen. Um, like grandma, you know, you go to grandma's house, my, my grandma, I love her. I don't know if she's watching. I love you. Um, but like her house is very orderly, but listen, there's not a new life there because that ship sailed a long time ago for her. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so our homes have life in them. We're doing life. We're experiencing things, but sometimes we stumble along the way and that's okay because God has love and mercy for us, but he wants to be the Lord of our homes. Amen. I'll close with uh, this verse, if I can find it. It was marked in the first service. There we go. Um, 1 John 1, 9, or we'll start in verse 8. 
It says this, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. Such a good verse. I love that so much. So I'm going to pray and then we'll close. You guys can stand to your feet this morning if you're able to. I'm going to pray for you and then Leslie will close us up. Jesus, we thank you for today. I thank you for every individual in this place. Lord, we just come before you and we just submit our homes to you, Lord. We submit our homes to you, Lord. And God, we're, I'm just asking, Holy Spirit, if you want to shake things up a little bit, highlight anything that you want to move around or don't want in our homes, Lord God, that we've brought in willingly or unwillingly, Lord, I pray that you would just highlight to us uh, that to us this morning right now. I pray that our homes, Lord, would be a place of praise. I pray that our homes, Lord, would be a place of peace. I pray that our homes, Lord, would be a place where we can invite imperfect people into but they're not, they're, uh, our homes don't become more imperfect. The people that we invite in our homes get touched by the Lord Jesus and they're mentored and they're discipled and they're raised up and they're loved. And so God, I just thank you for um, what you want to do in us, Lord God. And I pray that we'd have pockets of mercy, pockets of grace, pockets of love, uh, pockets of peace, Lord, in our homes. And we just invite you to that today in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone out there said, amen. amen.